and welcome to another episode of Loss of Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed, of course, always joining me, my co-host, Mr. Walter Lukashensky out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wally, it is Super Bowl week, buddy. How are we feeling out there? Honestly, Stephen, I'm excited for our last game of football, but in a weird way, knowing that it's Tom Brady versus the Kansas City Chiefs, it makes it a really bittersweet finale to the season. But at the end of the day, it's a Super Bowl. I'm still going to be fired up about it. Bad food, beer, good commercials. It should be a good time. I'm looking forward to it, man. Honestly, Wally, the last few years I've been watching the Super Bowl at the bar. So now being quarantined, social distancing, now I'm going to be chilling at the house and I can actually enjoy these commercials for once instead of instead of just drunkenly yelling at people to shut the fuck up so I can hear the newest Doritos commercial that's playing on the TV. It's going to be a lot of fun. But you missed the number one thing, all the prop bets for the Super Bowl. So many bets, so much money to lose, to win. We're obviously going to get there sooner rather than later. But, of course, we have to we have to start with a couple stories. Number one, we'll start out here in Detroit where Matt Stafford was traded to the L.A. Rams. Finally, in a place where he can play a little, little bit of football, the L.A. Rams send Jared Goff two first-round picks and a third-round pick just for simply Matt Stafford. Here's a fun fact, Wally. The Rams traded away two first-round picks to trade up for Jared Goff. The same Rams traded away two first-round picks to get rid of Jared Goff. So your thoughts, how are the Rams looking now with Matt Stafford, and how are the Lions going to be looking with Jared Goff as their quarterback now? I mean, realistically to me, I think that it's it, it's a very impressive trade if I'm Detroit, simply because you weren't going anywhere with Matthew Stafford, and all of a sudden now you spun two first-round picks in a third this year on top of it. Not to mention, Jared Goff is going to be more than capable enough to be that guy that can be a transitional quarterback before you get your ultimate guy that you want to be your franchise. For me, the Lions are a clear winner here, but that's not to take away with what the Rams did. Good for the Rams. They realized, hey, we have a little bit of a Super Bowl window right now with a very talented defense. We're probably just a competent quarterback away, and that's no shot at Jared Goff. He's just not a Super Bowl quarterback. Matthew Stafford there, he's still in the tail end of his prime. It should be a lot of fun to watch how they do in the NFC West. All of a sudden, now look at that division is scary. You got three very good quarterbacks. And in San Francisco, it sounds like they're very much in a market for a quarterback. And if that happens, that division might be the most entertaining and exciting division in all of the NFL next year. It was pretty entertaining this year. Obviously, the Cardinals were kind of up and down. It was really hard to get a read on them after a full another offseason with DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. Yeah, that division is going to be scarier than, of course, people are going to re- remember what the San Francisco 49ers can do out there. And it's going to be very scary. Very scary indeed. The Rams, I mean, easily, I think, catapult to the NFC favorites for next year. Obviously, Super Bowl contenders here. Do you think I'm crazy on that wall? Or are you kind of on the same boat with me? Honestly, I completely agree. I think this year, we were both even saying that this is a team, even with Jared Goff in their current makeup, they could have been a team that if they represented the NFC, nobody would have been shocked. At least you and I wouldn't have been shocked. It was very possible. Had they not had to go up to cold Lambeau, who knows where they would have been. I think without a doubt, they're at least in that very, very thin discussion as being the favorites there. We'll see what happens in San Francisco if they do get a quarterback. Because like if, if San Francisco ends up with a guy like Deshaun Watson, then naturally I would probably pick them ahead even without Robert Salad there as a defensive coordinator, they just have a great culture, a great organization going. 
But for me, at this current moment, if Jimmy G is quarterback, without a doubt, I agree with you. The Rams should be favored, and they are very much a Super Bowl contender already. Kind of keep it in that division a little bit. Obviously, you were referencing how San Francisco's you know in the market for a quarterback. Deshaun Watson, one of the biggest quarterback stories now since Matt Stafford got traded away. All eyes are on Houston and Deshaun Watson. I can't remember if, if it was officially a trade request at this time last week when we had the podcast. If not, it's an official trade request to Sean Watson wants out of Houston. There's going to be a lot of suitors. We we all know last week, for some reason, his number one was the Jets. Miami was in there. I don't understand why San Francisco would not be in there. But seeing Matt Stafford get two first-round picks for his caliber and his age – what does that market now look like for Deshaun Watson? And since this, since we spoke about it last week, Wally, have any other teams kind of sprouted up in your mind where he could possibly land? Or are you pretty much just keeping it the same? Well, as you know, and we've been talking about it a little bit before the podcast, there's a lot of smoke in the last 24 hours between the Raiders and Deshaun Watson. This is that time of year where every single fan base gets themselves excited and they strain any rumor out there that this is going to be it. This is our guy. So naturally, there's 32 teams next year, according to fan bases, that are going to have Deshaun Watson. At least that's how it feels like right now. And the Raiders right now, the the rumors are inside with their beat writers is that they would have to move Derek Carr for two first-round picks and then send the Texans at least two additional first-round picks and maybe even a player. And if that's the case, that's just too much. And it just goes back to what we've been harping on the last few weeks, or at least what I've been really stressing, that unless the Texans are willing to back down their price a little bit, I don't think that we're going to see a team willing to throw out four first-round picks, no matter how good Deshaun Watson is. So as it sits right now, until the price goes down, I truly don't believe he's going to be moved. There's smoke every year. There's smoke every year about guys like this. I'm not buying it yet. Maybe I'm proven wrong. If, if it is, I'll hand up, it's on me. But I really, at this moment, I think that you're going to be looking at probably around two first and maybe a couple extra picks. I think that this is just more of a, the Lions pulled the trigger at the right time. And the Texans now, they're going to have to wait and see what the pre-draft market's going to do. And then who knows, he might be stuck in Houston. I really hope he's not. Let's get that man out of Houston. T's just miserable there. Especially now, I mean, the it's great for the city. He's done a lot. He's He's been one of the better quarterbacks, especially in the media. You know, always keeping quiet, putting his head down, grinding. So, you know, you just have to respect the request at this time and kind of bite the bullet and realize you guys fucked up. You guys fucked up. Look yourselves in the mirror. Get back to the drawing board of what we can do. I kind of want to keep it in Houston here. I know this is a little bit of an improv, Wally, but J.J. Watt. Now, they're looking to kind of move off from him. I know he's got, what, one year left on his contract. Obviously, extremely injury-ridden since winning three Defensive Player of the Year awards pretty early on in, in his career. At the end of the day, the dude is still 32. Yeah, he's not producing the way that he used to, but it, he's still going to be a problem for you and can contribute at a pretty high level for your team. What are your thoughts about that? Where do you potentially see landing spots for J.J. Watt? Right now, it's kind of similar to that Deshaun Watson comment I made just before where at this time of year, you see a lot of teams that unrealistically think that they can get it, where J.J. Watt put on his list of teams he'd be willing to get traded to, he'd be willing to go to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh now, a lot of people are selling themselves on the idea that they can get him. Well, guess what? You're already in cap hell. You have to figure out what you're going to do with your guy T.J. Watt coming up in, in, in a couple of years. And then on top of that, Big Ben 
He doesn't even know if he's coming back or not. It sounds like him and the team are kind of playing chicken right now over the price he would have to play if he did come back. So the Steelers, I mean, yeah, I guess they're on the list. It's just how are you going to physically make that happen? I think a much more possible scenario is the Cleveland Browns. I know that you have guys like Suryat out there who I know is not very credited, but I'm kind of one of those people. I'm a slave for Suryat because he brought Big Ten football back. I don't care. But he's right. They have a ton of cap space up there in Cleveland right now. They were in the market for Jadavian Clowney before the season started. So I think it would make a lot of sense for them. You bring in another veteran defense alignment here, and then you give a a little compliment to Miles Garrett, and you get to see this year, ironically, in Pittsburgh, what a guy like TJ Watt can do when you had a Bud Dupree on the other side. If you give Miles Garrett a J.J. Watt for another team to have to prepare for, I think that the Browns' defense can all of a sudden go from very underwhelming, borderline bad, to at least manageably average and potentially even a little better if they get the pass rush they potentially could get with that pair. That's a scary pair just to even think about Wally. God, JJ Watt, Miles Garrett going at it. And they, you know, they even have some young playmakers there in the linebacking core. Obviously Denzel Ward in the secondary as well. But if you're able to get sacks like that, it doesn't matter what your secondary is if you can get a rush. Man, that is scary. Obviously you already know where I want him to go. Green Bay, the only time that they can actually get a free agent is when they're seamlessly old and borderline out of their prime. All of Charles Woodson. Well, that's father prime. That dude never leaves his prime. Got Julius Peppers late. Got Jimmy Graham late. This just seems right up Green Bay's alley. And, of course, you know, J.J.'s a Wisconsin boy. Grew up as a Packers fan. I'm only assuming. But I would think it would be, it'd be a good fit like Cinderella's shoe. So, you never know, Wally. But fuck all these stories. Let's get to the Super Bowl. This is why we're here. We're a few days away from another Super Bowl. The GOAT versus the future, in parentheses, GOAT as well. Pat Mahomes is going to be the best quarterback at the end of it. We all know that. While he doesn't, while he admits it, and it also pains him at the same time. Wally, how pumped are you for this game? I've told you, this kind of sucks a little bit because it is the Super Bowl, and I am really fired up to watch what should be a very fun matchup. But man, it's either going to be Tom Brady gets number seven, which We'll get into a little later how unprecedented and remarkable that is. Or you have the Chiefs winning their second. And let's be frank, had New England not won the toss a few years ago, we could be looking at Kansas City's third straight Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is 25. The guy's 25 years old. This is just the beginning. It's terrifying. This is why I feel like you have such a push for the guys like Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford. It's the, you know what, we definitely need that top guy at quarterback, to potentially win Super Bowls, to potentially beat teams like a Patrick Mahomes-led team where, I mean, realistically, if you look at it this year, the only time they lost a game was against the Raiders, and the other time they almost lost was also against the Raiders. And what was the formula? You shorten the game with the run, and you basically have to score every time you touch the ball. So it's tough, and so I am excited. It should be a really, really fun game, but... As of right now, I know I've hinted my picks the last few weeks. I am going to continue to not pick against the Chiefs. I can't do it, Steven. It's so hard, but on the other end, it's really hard to bet against Tom Brady. One of the biggest rules, I mean, this is a self-proclaimed rule. A lot of the gamblers, you'll hear it, you know, whatever podcast, XM station you're listening to. It's always hard to bet against, you know, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and Tom Brady. It is so hard. And 
Pat Mahomes is getting on that Mount Rushmore of people not to bet against. That's it. That's a solid four. Now they're going head to head. I have no fucking idea who to pick in this game, Wally. I have no clue. But man, it is going to be so much fucking fun. I mean, the lat the first game, you know, Kansas City goes up. They win at 27-24 in week 12. Kansas City went up. Tyreek Hill just what? Seven receptions, 203 yards, and a touchdown in the first quarter. Absolutely torches that secondary that made Aaron Rodgers look bad. That's going to be so much fun. Pat Mahomes is playing arguably his top two or three defenses that he's faced all year. It's going to be a really fun game. I don't think it's going to pan out the way that it did in week 12, but there's still going to be a lot of points and a lot of yards. I know that the weather is going to be, you know, weather permitted, supposed to be thunderstorms. Of course, there's going to be drama in the Tom Brady Super Bowl. I don't even know. I don't even know what to think here. The way the Chiefs dominated the Bucks week 12, do you think that there's even a chance that that could happen again on Sunday? Well, for me, a big key about that week 12 game was that Kansas City was able to jump up early and they were kind of able to dictate the terms of that game. The Bucks only had 12 rush attempts with running backs in that. I mean, that's that's not something that you can do in a Super Bowl and win. I know Tom Brady threw a couple picks early in that game that kind of led to them to fall behind. Who knows? You mentioned the thunderstorms. There's a 75% chance. We know that's like five days out. There's a chance it's bright, sunny skies. There's a the big old moon. There's, there's not even a cloud because that's Florida weather for you. But there's also a chance it rains for the entire game. Shades of that Chicago Bears, Indianapolis, Miami Super Bowl about 10, 15 years ago. I think that the only way that a similar game happens where, let's face it, Kansas City only won by three, but it should have been a lot more had the Chiefs not let their foot off the gas, is if they jump up early. The Chiefs, you mentioned, up 17-0 in the first. They were up 27-10 in the fourth quarter before the Chiefs played super soft. Their offense just dumped everything down before the sticks in that. And good for Tom Brady for making it a game. But if they fall behind, Tom Brady's an amazing quarterback, the greatest of all time. He's not good enough to come back against a team with, ironically, not the defense, but an offense as powerful as the Chiefs. Because we've gone through it now, back-to-back weeks. The Chiefs are scoring basically every single drive Patrick Mahomes is on the field for. The key for them to get back in the game this last time was that the Mahomes-led Kansas City Chief offense didn't score on their final four possessions of that game. Now, who knows if that was a little bit of what Devin uh Devin I almost said Devin Bush son of Devin White Devin White if Levante David and Devin White if they keep playing the way they've played in the last few weeks Devin White's basically an all-pro linebacker right now and he's completely changed the outlook of this entire defense if that happens and are able to force the Chiefs to go back to what their style was last year where they had to throw it downfield a little bit more especially if the weather's in play you might have a realistic shot that the Bucks could defend home turf and be lifting the Lombardi Trophy on their own home field. No, I couldn't. I could not agree more. Between David and Devin White, just linebacking, their linebacking core is outrageous there in Tampa Bay. But the players that people need to focus on: Jason Pierre-Paul. Never thought we'd say this again, right? Adamic and Sue going after this Kansas City Chiefs offensive line that seems to be battered. We have a. We got a couple backup O-lineman in there, what, due to COVID. So there's going to be kind of a makeshift O-line coming here, you know, facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that Bucks D-line absolutely destroyed, obviously, the Green Bay Packers a couple weeks prior to that, who had a pretty solid outing, you know, obviously missing their all-pro left tackle. Nonetheless, that's a pretty, pretty good O-line that uh, 
Green Bay has, I'd argue even better than the Kansas City Chiefs line that they're currently going to have starting. That is going to be the biggest matchup that I am watching is that that Bucks D line against that Kansas City O line. Obviously, we know Kansas City has a problem running the ball. Impossible to run against this Buccaneers defense. Back to back years, putting up the best rush defense in the NFL. So they're going to get pressure on Mahomes. But where does Mahomes make all of his magic happen? Outside of the pocket. Getting him out of the pocket. Doing no-look pass. Fucking sidearm. Whatever the fuck he's doing. Just some crazy shit that Mahomes does. So you have to be able to contain him, which is one of the hardest parts, you know, about facing Patrick Mahomes. And obviously, I don't think – I'm not expecting Tyreek Hill to have the same game that he was having. Once that first quarter happened, they checked him the rest of the game. What They only held him to 60-plus yards and two other touchdowns. But you don't see the 203-yard quarters every now and again. And Travis Kelsey had what a seemingly quiet night for him. Other tight ends, eight receptions, 82 yards. They're fucking going to their agent saying, shot me around. I need a raise right now. But that's a that's a bad game for Travis Kelsey. So Travis Kelsey is also going to be circled on my list. A little bit of a foreshadowing for you English majors out there like Wally. But I think Travis Kelsey is going to have the biggest impact offensively, obviously outside of Pat Mahomes in this game for the Chiefs. And that's the only way that they can propel themselves to victory. And at the same time, the only way I see Tampa Bay winning this game is their defense coming to play like they have done here, what, the past six, seven games to end the season and go into this postseason. Oh, absolutely. And here's the thing, too. And we were talking about how Kelsey kind of was underwhelming that game because of how much Hill was there. Once they took Hill away, what happens? Travis Kelsey becomes a little bit more available. He opens up a little bit more. Don't get me wrong. They're not going to complete 21 passes to Tyreek Hill and and Travis Kelsey for 351 yards and three touchdowns again. That's not going to happen. But it doesn't have to happen for them to win this game. They now also you have to consider the fact Sammy Watkins looks like he's coming back from injury. You have Nicole Hardman there. And yeah, their their running backs aren't gonna probably be able to get as much on the ground against this Bucks team, but they're very much a threat out of the backfield. This team has a million weapons, and it's very rare to run into a team that doesn't have to run the ball to be a Super Bowl champ. And they're writing a book on it right now. I mean, last time they played, Mahomes over 450 passing yards. Again, you want to talk about a little foreshadowing for later in the show. Keep an eye on that. But yeah, this, this Chiefs offense, this Bucks defense for me is definitely the key. You touched on JPP, touched on that Bucks defensive line going up against a very battered, very inexperienced, and a very young offensive line as it currently sits. I think it's gonna you're gonna see a lot less blitzing out of the Bucks and a lot more four man pressure. Just basically saying, hey, guys, this is your game. You get pressure on Pat Mahomes. We feel like we have a very good chance to leave Super Bowl Sunday with a ring. Whether that happens, I don't know. Patrick Mahomes, there's this like misdemeanor and stereotype out there that the Chiefs only throw like downfield. They're a big vertical passing offense when this year they've completely flipped the role where now in the last two games in, in this postseason – Patrick Mahomes' average pass downfield was under six yards in both of their playoff games so far. This is a guy that now understands, you know, I have the arm that can throw it 60 yards downfield, throw it right in a bread basket, but if I can get Tyreek Hill the ball on a six-yard slant route and let him take care of it with his own legs, he's going to do it. I'm really struggling. I really like this Bucks defense, but I don't know how any defense in the league it realistically can slow up this ta- or this Tampa Bay Chiefs. Damn it. This Kansas City Chiefs offense right now. Like I said, if the team was going to do it, I feel like the Bucs 
could be that team. They're one of the hotter teams coming to the NFL. Obviously, winning 14 games as a Kansas City Chiefs team are going to be hot at any time. But in that Super Bowl, like we were kind of alluding to earlier, 75% chance of thunderstorms and rain, according to uh, AccuWeather. But Chiefs going 8-0 on the road this year. One of those games obviously being at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. This is clearly a home game for Tampa. Outside of the Chiefs obviously winning more games, having the higher seed. Tampa Bay did request the NFL if they were able to use their cannons during the game. The NFL shut that down. Obviously, Tampa Bay is throwing a fucking fit. Like, come on. This is the one thing you can't have and you're just complaining about everything else. The Chiefs go 8-0 on the road. And won this year, like I said, in Tampa Bay. How do you should that play into, you know, them preparing for Sunday, Wally? Well, I first of all, I'm happy you brought up the the cannons too, because you're right. The Bucks are really throwing a hissy fit over getting to sleep in their own beds for two weeks, getting to use their own facilities, getting to use everything before they just get the drive on down and play on their own stadium. But oh. God forbid your 15-yard pass to Antonio Brown in the first quarter is not going to get a cannon fire. I'm very sorry. Anyways, no, I really don't think that it's going to factor too much in for at least the Chiefs, where this is a team you've, you've already talked about. There, there ain't no on the road this year. They're very used to facing adversity. They're very used to going into buildings where they know they're going to get the team's best shot. That's what happens when you're a Super Bowl team like this, a team that knows they're going to be basically getting that giant red circle on the calendar whenever the Kansas City Chiefs are coming to town, and they go in and they take care of business. I think it's going to be more of the same. Andy Reid's a phenomenal coach. I think he has the the edge over Bruce Arians this week. And with two weeks off, what do we say all the time in the regular season? Oh, you don't want to face Kansas City Chiefs or Andy Reid after a bye. Guess what? They get another bye now, and they get to look back at what happened what in that first Tampa Bay matchup, how they were able to exploit it. But also realize too, hey, this is an entirely different Tampa Bay Bucks team. They were they were a little bit in a lull in the middle of the season this year. Do not overlook them. And now we have our offensive line to worry about. So this gives them an extra week to prepare and kind of hide those little deficiencies in the very few deficiencies that they do happen to have. So for me, it's not going to affect the Chiefs so much. It's much more of a potential advantage for the Bucks to be able to wake up in their own bed. I mean, they still have to go out and play football, and I'm going to pick the better football team, and that's why you know already where I'm going. Of course, of course. I kind of want to circulate back to these offensive linemen. I know I kind of jumped the gun on that, Walter, so I do apologize. But looking at this Kansas City offensive line, Mike Remmers, left tackle, has not played a left tackle snap since 2016. What, Al whoever the fuck that is. Well, you want to help me with this name, bud? Allegretti is the only way I've ever seen it, or at least the way it looks like it's spelled. Lukashensky, you're the best bet to pronounce these tricky names, bud. So I was I was right on you. Uh, seventh rounder, center. Their center's a seventh rounder. The right guard was Newski. I know I got that one. Cut by Pittsburgh in November. Their right tackle Wiley was an undrafted free agent, and he was an undrafted free agent as a guard. Here's a fun fact. Mike Remmers, last time he was playing as a left tackle, Super Bowl 50 when he was getting fucking spanked by Von Miller, that man himself. Couple strip sacks, including that one that ended the game and the Super Bowl hopes for Carolina. So you know that is creeping up, and you know JPP is talking a bunch of shit to him this week. That's actually a really great point. I, I f- feel like I've completely forgot about him being there in Carolina during that. So that really, really good uh, pickup there, Stephen. 
Hey, shout out to my boy uh, Nick Wright on First Things First. Got a little bit of taste of that on the way to work this morning. I was like, oh, I got to mentally write that one down. But now we got, we've, we've made all of our points. We've obviously been doing enough foreshadowing for this and for our next gambling segment here. In your opinion, Wally, how do the Chiefs win this game, especially with how disastrous their O-line play is going to be, I'm assuming? For me, it's simply as this. They're going to have to continue what they've been doing this season. Let's get the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands pretty quickly. I mean, all these underneath passes, he's got the weapons to actually let these guys take care of it themselves. The yards after catch on this team speaks for themselves. I think that you're going to see an offensive game plan where everything's quick on the first drive. A lot of little slants, a lot of bubble screens, maybe a, a button hook route, something like that. That's You're going to want to get everybody in the flow, get the offensive line a little confidence going early. And then naturally, it's this is easier said than done, but you want to play with the lead. You want to have the Chiefs get up early in this game. You want to get those defensive backs to be able to feel a little more comfortable expecting a pass from that dynamic trio there in Tampa between A.B., Godwin, and Mike Evans. I mean, we haven't seen a top three wide receiving core like that in forever. You want to win this game. You can't afford to let those guys get hot. You can't let afford to let Tom Brady and that offense get rolling early. So for me, without a doubt, the keys to win this game for the Chiefs, to play with a lead and a lot of quick passes, especially early in this game, to get everybody in the flow. I wouldn't even necessarily say playing with the lead should be a point because I feel like they play better when they're down. I mean, they've proven that in every single playoff game that they've been. They've been down minimum 9 to 10 points at least once. We all know where they go on a 38-point run against the Bills uh, a, you know, a couple weeks ago. Went on a 42 nothing run against the Houston Texans here two years ago in, uh, what, the divisional round of the playoffs or the AFC. So I almost feel, I almost feel better that they just – they play behind. At the end of the day, Chiefs just need to play their ball to win their game. That's going to be a tough defensive matchup. Keeping Patrick Mahomes healthy and unfazed is going to be your number one bullet point for success to win against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, and foremost, Patrick Mahomes not turning the ball over. I know he's obviously been good here in the playoffs, but he has been shown to be sloppy here towards the end of the regular season. It's a Super Bowl, bigger game, bigger moment. Don't create opportunities for that secondary for Tampa Bay because those boys fly around. They were flying around a couple weeks ago, and they were missing their two starting safeties, and they were still flying around. So they're going to be ready to play. They're a fun secondary to watch. I think the third uh, point or key factor for them to win is getting Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The ball, obviously not running. If you can get them running, that'd be great. But if you can get them doing the little swing passes or get them receptions, get them in the open field on top of your speedsters between Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins potentially could be playing depending on how that calf is feeling. And obviously opening up with Travis Kelsey is going to be huge with that. That's all I think that they can win. Like you said, easier said than done, but I feel like what I said is pretty fucking easy. That's all you have to do to win the game. I will just say one last thing, though. Them playing from behind is great and all. When you're not playing the greatest quarterback of all time. I just can't. I'm not trying to spot Tom Brady a lead. That's all I'm trying to say. But it makes for good TV, Wally. We'll flip it over here to the Bucs. Bucs went 5-3 and three at home this year, including the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Tommy Boy going for number seven. A.K.A. he's going to have more Super Bowls than any other franchise in the NFL. Let's just, let's just sink that in real quick. Let that seep into your skin like a like a nice lotion. 
Antoine Winfield Jr. to play despite his ankle injury. Obviously, it's a Super Bowl your rookie year. You never know if you're going to get back, especially when Tom Brady retires. So that's a good move. Terrell Owens played with a with half a leg. You can do it with a with a little scratch in her ankle. I'm I'm sure it's actually a pretty horrible injury, but I'm the fat guy in the chair. I can make judgments like that. But obviously on here, we've been talking about Devin White, Levante David. But for Devin White, do you think that he can continue his ungodly play to help force the Chiefs to throw more down the field, Wally? If someone was going to be able to, somebody's going to be able to keep in coverage as a linebacker or someone like a Travis Kelsey or one of these very talented backs to make him potentially look to that second and third reads more or further down the field, which, by the way, that's not good for that offensive line, it's Devin White. It's that's how amazing, beautiful the game of football is, and that's why football fans love it so much. Everything works together in weird ways where Devin White is able to take away Travis Kelsey. That front four gets more pressure. They hit Mahomes more. Maybe Mahomes is feeling a little more uncomfortable. Mahomes throws a bad pass. It gets picked. It's a beautiful game like that. If there's someone who could do it, it is Devin White. We've seen it this entire postseason. What he did in that New Orleans Saints game in, in particular was I mean, it was crazy. He's really kind of stepping into that next great middle linebacker role that I think many people expected him to. I didn't expect it to be this fast, though, and good for him. If anybody could do it, yeah, I do think it would be him. And then going back real quick to what you were saying about Brady, how crazy. He's going to have more Super Bowls than everybody in the league. And I know that Bill Belichick's probably got some real mixed feelings right now watching this where you know he's he wants – he would be happy for Brady if he won, but he would be happier to see Brady lose. And they're still together. Their names are still tied with that number six in New England. We listed off how we, you know, a couple points of how we think the Kansas City Chiefs can win this game. Let's flip it over to the home slash away team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are a couple of things that you think that needs to be done on their end for them to come away hoisting the trophy? I know this is going to be a little funny to hear me almost do the exact opposite of what I said for the Chiefs, but that's simply the way it is where we the matchups are the same. We need to see this Tampa Bay team get a few stops early in this game. You need that front four to be able to get pressure without bringing an additional guy, without a couple linebackers, without the occasional corner or safety. You need to get pressure on Mahomes and be able to have seven guys in that defensive backfield who are able to kind of do their best because the Chiefs are going to get theirs. But what your job, if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense or – if you are on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, it's simply get as many stops as you can. Get Tom Brady the ball back because the Bucs are going to get theirs too on offense. Assuming the weather's not something ridiculous, this should be a fun and relatively high-scoring Super Bowl. I think if I am the Bucs, it's got to turn into if you want to go on the offense. Tom Brady knows it. He knows it's a key to the game. He cannot turn the ball over. He can't afford those sloppy interceptions early in the game that he's had sometimes this year where it feels like he's easing into the game, maybe a little bit slower than he usually would, but it's more critical now than ever. You cannot afford to throw interceptions against this team, turn the ball over in general. That goes for the whole offense, but I think most specifically, no interceptions from Tom Brady in this game. And you know what? Tampa Bay realistically could be the Super Bowl champion, which I wrote him off all year. We're on the same page here, Wally. I'm going to kind of absolutely contradict myself, you know, based off what I picked here for the Chiefs. I mean, I guess they all kind of coincide. So so the first point is going to be Tom Brady, to your point, not turning the ball over like you just previously stated. 
More or less just having a complete game, and that's him and the whole offense. They can get it going at times, but they just don't have a complete game. That's where their defense kind of comes into play. But Tom Brady not turning the ball over, you know, three straight drives ending in an interception uh, in Green Bay here a couple weeks ago, almost giving the game away. But don't worry, that offense is not going to do anything. And obviously, that's why you guys are here. Number two is, like I was saying, getting to Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, for the Chiefs, it's keeping Patrick Mahomes upright. But for Tampa Bay, it's keeping him within the pocket, but collapsing the pocket so he's not escaping as well. Because if he can escape and extend plays, that's where you guys are going to get fucked. Even if your secondary is flying around and I'm you know, pretty high on them, that's going to fuck you up. So being able to get to the patch to Mahomes is going to be number two. And number three, kind of coinciding with this, is getting that ball, getting that turnover from Patrick Mahomes. Because that one turnover could change this whole game, especially against the Kansas City Chiefs. So you guys have to be ready, especially the tip drill for those DBs. Tip drill interceptions are what you're looking for against Pat Mahomes because he's not going to be blatantly overthrowing or throwing to your to your DB for that interception. They are not going to come easy. you got to work for it. So just stay ready. So before we hop into uh, our nice new gambling segment, which we'll talk about scores, I'll start with you, Wally. What do you, th- what do you ultimately think that this uh, final score is going to be? You've heard me harp on how good I believe this Chiefs team is all year long. I don't care if it's against the first team hosting the Super Bowl in their own building and their quarterback is Tom Brady. I don't care that they have three number one wide receivers. I don't care that they have a really, really good defense, a really fun young defense, a team all the way around we're going to see for a while on with Tom Brady or without. I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs, and not only am I going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs to win – I have them winning somewhat easily, believe that or not. I have the Kansas City Chiefs winning 37, miss extra point. Harrison Bucker, you see it now. Because of the rain, I'm seeing it. 37 Chiefs, 24 Tampa Bay. They cover, and they cover relatively easy. We'll get more into the fun gambling here in a second. But Steven, do you think they're going to win this game? And do you think they're going to win as convincingly as I believe they're going to? I'm going with Tampa Bay in this game, Wally. Wow. I know. I know. Trust me. It's, it's, I've been circulating and kind of going back and forth. I know we can't bet against Patrick Mahomes, but I grew up knowing that you should not bet against Tom Brady. I'm just an old man pushing 30, stuck in his ways, and I'm still not going to bet against Tom Brady. So I'm going to go 31-27, Tampa Bay over Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is going to throw two interceptions on here. The last one is going to be a tip drill interception that ultimately will end the game here. Obviously, people are going to be dogging Patrick Mahomes after this, but I think Mike Evans is going to have a huge game. Gronk is going to have a nice seven receptions, 56 yards, one touchdown. And Gronk's going to have the game-winning touchdown. Gronk spike to win it all. I think that Tampa Bay's defense gets it done, gets to Patrick Mahomes all day, causes problems. JPP, Dadamakin Sue, you got David, Devin White in the linebacking core. Antoine Winfield Jr. coming back, playing through that injury, and it's Tom Brady, the ultimate competitor, the ultimate leader. Levante David was crying at the NFC Championship game. This is what Tom Brady has to say to that. What the fuck are you crying for? We're not done yet. That's how you know you're taking you're taking the Bucks by a million. Tom Brady's going to win this game. He's going to get his seventh Super Bowl. We're all going to praise Tom. We're all going to hate him until he's gone. But it's the GOAT. Again, back to the promised land with a whole new team, and I cannot wait, Walter. This is where bad radio, but you want to insert that basically the 
the Squidward looking out the window meme where SpongeBob and Patrick are frolicking. That's Tom Brady and Gronk and Bill Belichick's the guy stuck inside watching him get number seven. We're on to Cincinnati. Hey, you think having a 37 year old? We're on to Cincinnati. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. Yeah, well, this will be fun. You know what we should do? Do you want to throw a little friendly wager between us on the podcast since we're just going outright money line each way? Absolutely. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, let's let's see what we can think of. What's the, let's just throw like a nice like thirty bucks on it. No, let's go twenty bucks. But then we have to do like a nice embarrassing thing. Like I'll have. Uh, I don't know. I'll send you one of my really small Packer shirts, and you have to wear it around for a week in your house. But that's the only thing you can wear. I'm not even, you can't even wear underwear, just the shirt. See, this is kind of funny for you is because I had a Chris Gamble Ohio State jersey when I was seven or eight, and I wore it around the entire season pretending it was a Dwayne Haskins jersey, and I was about 150 pounds heavier when I had the jersey. So if you think that'll embarrass me, you bet, buddy. I'm all about it. Now, I just got to think of one for you. What would I want to do for you? I'd wear around the shirt. That's no problem. I'll even do that out in public. I don't care. Do you have an idea? Actually, no. Actually, no. I re- I retract my uh, my shirt. You have to you have to eat the Impossible Whopper from Burger King for every day for a week <laughs> for lunch. Oh, that's brutal. That's mean. I, all right, how about we do that both ways? That goes both on. A, you get Impossible Whopper. I get the Impossible Whopper. Have an original thought, Wally. But all right, we're shaking on it. We're sh- oh fuck me. This is gonna be this is gonna be gross. I uh as long as we don't have to get a dollar fifty ten piece nugget, I'm cool with it. No, I like this idea now. So you have we have seven impossible whoppers on the line right now. And then are we doing the thirty bucks as well? Or are we just doing the seven whoppers? Yeah, we'll do the thirty bucks as well. I think that's just adding salt to the womb. I think well, actually I think eating Burger King is adding salt to like a gunshot. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> cool. I'm fucking down for it. Take God it. damn. Actually are we we're doing seven straight days or we're doing a work week? I'm good with the work week if you're good with the work week. I'm, trying I'm good to watch with the work that. week as well, but you have to Snapchat every single day the first bite and the last bite. I completely agree, and I, that way you get to see the impossible Whopper too. No one's sliding in a traditional Whopper under the radar. No, this is impossible only. Strictly vegan based. This is going to be fucking miserable, and I cannot wait for it. Not only is it bad enough that you have to eat it, you have to get out of the house. You have to drive to Burger King to get this. This is this is ironically the most expensive part of the bet. I'd pay the $30 and not lose an ounce of sleep. It's the I'm paying money to be miserable. And that's just that's just not fun. But that's what this is all about. Me personally, I'm back working in the office. So now I have to go to Burger King, which of course is right down the street and extremely convenient for me, which is fucking annoying. But then when I bring it back to work, people will be like, oh, there's that dude, Stephen Weed. Yeah, he eats Burger King. I'm going to be known as the BK guy if I lose. I, I can't I can't do that, Wally. I've been having it my way at BK my whole life proudly. So you watch your tone, sir. This is a oh BK house. Oh, my God. That is so – how the fuck are we doing this podcast together? Oh, my goodness. This over, is a BK Wendy's, podcast. Over McDonald's? This is a BK podcast. Absolutely not. This is this is based in Columbus, Ohio, where it was born and bred. Also, where Wendy's was born and bred. Don't you ever disrespect Dave Thomas with that fucking perverted burger eating king. 
I'm proud of that king. That king is a man from my own heart. If he showed up in my bed with one of those breakfast sandwiches, Deb, you best believe I'm eating it without shame. And that's going to bring us along here to our last segment. And this segment we have we've been waiting to finally debut here. Uh, we thought about it here a few weeks ago, obviously with some technical difficulties on my end. You know, Wally traveling, COVID. Now we're all back. Finally, get the premiere of Prop Lock and Drop It. Of course, everyone out there is thinking, well, that sounds really familiar. Well, if you ever had a boner between the age of 12 and 14 at a middle school dance, it is most likely because you were grinding to a song called Pop, Lock, and Drop It. And man, oh man, was that a banger. So, of course, it came to me, Prop, Lock, and Drop It. We've got to do it with easily the game with the most prop bets that you can place for it. So when the stars line, Walter, they do align. Obviously, before we hop in here, I give it to Wally. A little explanation of it here. It's pretty self-explanatory, but prop. It's going to be the the one prop bet that you guys should put some money on. Lock. That is the best bet we think is the absolute lock here. You're going to win no matter what. And then obviously drop. That's the bet that we, we are going to stay away from. Um, sometimes it's a prop. Sometimes it's just a bet on the overall game. But I'm going to let Wally take it away here for the inaugural first prop lock and drop it, bud. And I'm happy that we are doing two for this first one. It's a good way for us to kind of get everybody a little familiar with it. And it'll be fun. Even maybe once we get out of football season, we might throw the occasional one out there for other sports while we're just hanging out there trying to make some money. And just, you know, we're degenerate gamblers. So I will start, first of all, with my prop, my big prop here. I, I'm i really trying to preface this. This is not a unit bet. This is a quarter unit. This is a half unit. So if you're betting 10 bucks, bet 250, bet $5. My prop is to have MVP be Tyreek Hill at plus 1400. So the reason I'm doing this, we already talked about it earlier. He completely destroyed this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense his first time around. Now you know that they are going to have a lot of adjustments for Tyreek Hill going into this game, but I, my bold prediction is that Tyreek Hill is going to have a long touchdown and we're going to get a repeat of his flip into the end zone. At the place he made it famous in Tampa Bay this year. So Tyreek Hill, he will be the MVP at plus 1,400. Now, my lock, you've already heard me say it. I love the Chiefs in this game. I have the Chiefs minus three. That's minus 120 payout right now. But don't only do it for the fact that you're going to make a lot of money. Do it for the fact that you know Steven's going to have to eat impossible whoppers for five straight days. Chiefs cover minus three. Now, my drop, I'm staying away from it. I know it's hard not to bet it. It's sexy when you have offenses like this, but I am not touching. I am dropping the over-under of 55.5 this game. Not only do we have to worry about weather now, you have two weeks of these coaches having all the time to try their best to find a way to slow up these two dynamic quarterbacks. And I just think that it's going to be right around 55, and I really don't feel comfortable either way. I think that you could see this be a game where somehow – the Chiefs win like a 45-41 game. Or it could be really weather-driven, and the Chiefs win a really sloppy game like 24-20 to or something like that. I think that it's something I'm staying completely away. So for me, prop, Tyreek Hill MVP, lock KC minus three, drop the over-under. So for my first prop lock and drop it here, my prop, Travis Kelsey to lead, to lead all receivers in the game at plus 260. Travis Kelsey was... 
kind of obviously overshadowed by Tyreek Hill's performance here in the first game. And Travis Kelsey did nothing but ball this year. I mean, hell, week by week, he was typically leading the NFL in receiving up until the last couple weeks, obviously, because he was sitting the last game of the season. But top three, top four, most receiving yards by a tight end in NFL history. He's definitely going to be an X factor in this game. And you know all eyes are going to be on Tyreek Hill, especially after the you know Week 12 matchup. So I think Travis Kelsey is going to ball like he has been all year. My lock, just to oppose Wally, just to kind of sprinkle on a little bit for our bet that we already have here, over 55. This is going to be an explosive game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Tampa Bay defense does score a touchdown here, but at the end of the day, that high-flying offense of the Chiefs can put up points in bunches very quickly. And, And on the other end of that, you also have Tom Brady with that offense that's going to be able to put up points in bunches, quickly as well against that Kansas City defense. So I'm going to go with that lock of over 55 and a half. And of course, you already know my drop, Kansas City minus three. We're not touching that. We are not touching that at all. We're going with the over. Tampa Bay is going to win this game. I mean, the one I predicted, 31-27, that obviously is an over of 58. So you're going to be good to go. Even on my book, it's the over set at 56. So that's solid. But And honestly, to Wally's point, I don't even mean to walk myself back on this. The owner's not really looking too shabby either. Steve Spagnola, the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Want to know what he's done in his career? He's got two Super Bowl rings for being the D coordinator for the Giants. Who'd he beat in those two Super Bowls? Tom Brady and that offense. One of them being the 18-0 New England Patriots offense with Randy Moss that seemed unstoppable. I like that. But fuck Spagnola. This guy, this guy's got saved by those just those two really good teams. And the, you know, of course, the team last year. Defense was playing hot. At the end of the day, over 55. That is my prop lock and drop it for my first one. Wally, I'm gonna toss it here to you for your second serving. So for me on my second one, I'm gonna start with my prop again. Most passing yards in this game, obviously the odds are it's gonna be behind or between Mahomes or Brady. I think it's gonna be Mahomes. I think that you're going to see a lot of yards after catch yet again from this team. And Mahomes is just going to be able to basically ice this one by about 50 or 60 yards is my guess. That would pay out minus 155 at the moment. So I think that's a pretty safe prop bet. At least it's a fun one that you get to enjoy at least for three straight quarters. That's the tough thing about those like coin cost ones where it's money instantly or it's instantly gone. It's one or the other. But tails never fails. Don't forget that. Now my lock. This is going to sound weird. You're like, Wally, how can this possibly be a lock? And I'm going to tell you how it's a lock. Orange Gatorade at plus 125. Now you're sitting there and you're like, how could Gatorade be a lock? That doesn't make sense. Wait, Wally, this actually does not make sense. Exactly, Steven. Now I'll tell you why it does. Who is more superstitious than professional athletes? It's very rare. There's not many. Who won the Super Bowl last year, Steven? The Kansas City Chiefs. What color Gatorade did the Kansas City Chiefs use last year in their Super Bowl? The color orange. They're going to be superstitious. This is basically, if you you think it's a lock like me, you are riding with the idea that the Kansas City Chiefs will win this game because that's the reason I'm hammering this, where I think Chiefs win and they're a superstitious bunch enough where they're like, you know what? Let's run it all back. Orange Gatorade. Let's get Andy Reid that shower. Let's get him that double cheeseburger. And let's get Andy Reid home to his wife so he can enjoy all of it. Now, drop time, highest completion percentage. I don't want anything to do with this. This is a game where I feel like, especially when you factor in the rain, 
You factor in the fact that Devin White's been playing so well, and it might force the Chiefs to throw it a little bit further downfield. I think it's going to be very close between Brady and Mahomes, both kind of having those like 28 for 38 kind of games here. So I'm not going to touch this because I do think it's going to be very, very close one way or another, so I don't even want to play with that. Now I'm going to let you finish it up with your last little bit of the prop lock and drop segment here, and then we'll get our show uh, wrapped up right for the Super Bowl, Steven. You cannot have a prop bet in the Super Bowl without having this in it. Prop lock and drop it. National Anthem over and under. It is set at 120.5 seconds. In the past 15 Super Bowls, only six have eclipsed two minutes and essentially would, would win this bet. Last three years, it, it would be under. Last country singer to sing it was Luke Bryan at 204, which would hit. Obviously, you know that this year we have Eric Church, as well as a no-name Jasmine Sullivan. Not really a household name, obviously, like Demi Lovato or Pink has been here in the past few years, but she's got pipes and she's singing with Eric Church, so she's got to have something going for her. With that being said, with all these stats here, only six of the last 15 being over. Country singers notoriously being known for being a little bit short on this, and the average runtime since Super Bowl 40 for the national anthem is a minute and 55 seconds. So with the prop, it's the fucking over. You know I'm not going to ride the under. We're mixing a little bit. We have Eric Church coming. We have a no name. She's not a household name. She's going to want to flex a little bit, make herself a household name, because this is one of the biggest performances ever. Obviously, once in a lifetime opportunity. And this girl wants to wants to be able to be known, get her name out there, get some opportunities outside of that. So I'm going to go with the over set at plus 125. My lock for this. Contradicting myself, but for those who know me best, this is just an everyday thing. I'm going to go with Kansas City minus two and a half in the first half. A little bit of a comeback story for Tommy Brady and the Bucks. But Kansas City minus two and a half. I like anything under a field goal, especially in a Super Bowl game like this. I can see Kansas City kicking a field goal to go up by half before giving Tom Brady the ball, something along those lines. I feel pretty comfortable with that. So I'm going to go Kansas City minus two and a half as my lock and my drop to oppose Walters. My MVP odds is a drop for me. It's a quarterback-driven trophy for for the most part, but there's so many stars that this can possibly go to. We've seen Tyreek Hill have success. Travis Kelsey could have this. This could go to a Mike Evans, or even defensively, you could have someone like that win the MVP. Um, last time that happened was Super Bowl 50, Von Miller, Denver Broncos. Six tackles, two and a half sacks, and one pass defended. Does not include... Uh, the force fumble that he had on there to eventually seal the game, but you never know. There's just too many, too many people to choose from. I don't feel comfortable enough. And Pat Mahomes' odds are not that favorable because at the end of the day, we're all going to be like, "Oh, sweet, either Pat or Tom Brady's going to win." I don't feel comfortable enough putting that money on, so I'm going to go with my drop as the MVP odds. And just a little side note because I forgot to be cocky about myself. The only way I'm not jumping off a bridge because of this Tampa Bay Green Bay game is because in April, I. Put $10 on Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP, pay out 180 And then when Tampa Bay picked up Tom Brady, I threw 50 on them to win the Super Bowl in April, pay out 450 This is the only thing softening my blow. I really want Aaron to win this MVP, so I have $180 to throw right back on the national anthem. I really hope you hit that national anthem, man, because I don't know how else you're going to be able to buy these Whoppers next week. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not eating any Whoppers. These are officially going to be my last days ever eating Burger King. Not that I 
typically eat Burger King. But soon you're going to put your Whopper where your mouth is, Wally, and I cannot wait. That's going to bring us to the end of another episode here of Loss of Down, Super Bowl edition. Wally, I had a great time. This is going to be a very stressful uh, Super Bowl game here. Any final thoughts before I let you bounce? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, you won't be eating Whoppers. They're impossible Whoppers. And yeah, otherwise, yeah, remember, Tails never fails. And regardless of this game, all I can say is really enjoy this moment. Even though people like me, they hate both teams. You hate pretty much everybody involved. It's very rare that we have in sports in general, not just football, to have two guys at the top of their game like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Literally, it might be a passing of the torch game. Even if Tom Brady does manage to get seven, it's going to be a special Super Bowl, one that we're not going to forget anytime soon. So enjoy every minute of it. And we can't wait to go back next week. We're going to recap it, recap basically all of our preseason picks and see how we did. And to your point, Wally, these are going at the end of the day, these are going to be the two greatest quarterbacks to ever play the position. And this is the matchup made in heaven. The GOAT versus the future in parentheses GOAT. I can't wait. Just like I can't wait to see Wally stuff his face with impossible whoppers every single day the following week. Make sure to follow us on every social media platform. We have Facebook and Instagram at Loss of Down. And of course, Twitter, down underscore of loss, down underscore loss. I still can't fucking get it right. We've been doing this for like three and a half, four months. He's Wally Lukashensky. I'm Steven Weed. Until next time, one of us will be eating an impossible whopper. And I can tell you it's the guy in Pennsylvania. Steven, have it your way. 